bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip. Finally, we know it it has been a while, but we're here at the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 26. And like I said, man, we are glad to be back for another week and another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank each and every person that has been enjoying all of the episodes so far and the great positive feedback from these from you guys the listeners has been phenomenal if you have not yet checked out any of our past episodes do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one which is now available everywhere and anywhere that you get your podcasts apple spotify amazon music youtube pandora listen notes and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests It is fantastic to see the support from the local community and even outside the local community support in the sport of motocross. We are a part of an awesome sport, and I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Imperative MX Podcast. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to local racing and all the way to professional and everything in between. And with that, there are a good amount of talking points to chat about within this episode. First, we will get into some local motocross racing with upcoming races happening this weekend and from the past several months that we have uh, missed out on. Then we will switch to the professional side with a call-in from friend of the pod, Muckoff FXR Club MX 450 rider, Garrett Marchbanks, about his seventh overall finish in the Super Motocross World Championship standings this past weekend in Los Angeles, bringing home over 130K. The outdoor season, being on the 450 all summer till now and moving back to the 250 class for Supercross next year and much, much more. Finally, we will break down all of the racing action and our thoughts from the past three weekends of this inaugural Super Motocross World Championships and, of course, much much more we will get into so just hold tight make sure to check us out on uh, make sure to check us out by searching imperative mx on instagram facebook tiktok twitter wherever we're at we're there threads now so make sure to go and check us out give us a like give us a follow that would be greatly appreciated and like i said thank you guys so much for all of the support on all of the social media platforms as we continue to grow and uh the Instagram has been growing quite a bit, and we're getting pretty close to that 8,000 mark uh, followers on there. So if you guys have not yet checked out any of the social media sites, please go and check them out. And before we talk any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board here on the Imperative MX podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Mika Metals, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. We will get more into each of these awesome companies behind us here in just a bit. Don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com 
when you get a chance. A ton of new things are in the works right now, so be on the lookout for some exciting things coming to the website in the near future. And we also have a brand new rider, Trey, from West Virginia University. He's 20 years old, and he's been doing a bunch of the race recaps and did an awesome article on the uh, 39 riders that have ridden for JGR in the past. And um, he did an awesome job on that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot more that's going to be coming to ImperativeMX.com in the future. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And, of course, support the ones that support the sport like these companies helping us out with this podcast to bring you these weekly episodes. And, of course, helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable, knowledgeable, and your District 29 2011 C-Class champion co-host, Heavy D. What's going on, Heavy? What is happening, bro? We are back. We are back. Dude, I'm so stoked right now. You have no idea. Because I brought I brought you in that way, like you remember? Oh, dude, uh, you brought me in, and it feels like, you know, I, it feels like a comeback right now. It, I love it. It is almost like a comeback, man. We've had a couple of months off, and, man, it's been, it's been pretty crazy these last couple of months. But, man, we're moving in the right direction, and, uh, man, we're going to get back onto these uh, podcasts moving uh, towards the end of the year and, of course, going into next year and, many many more you know when i was making actually the uh uh, the little banner for uh today i said man we're only on episode number 26 it felt like we did a lot more when we were uh on the continuous grind but let me tell you what man we we are back and i know that you're just as stoked as i am to uh talk some motocross man oh a hundred percent bro it's so much has been going on like it's just hard to explain. Like, I know it's been a while. We ain't going to get it all in one episode. But it feels good because it's like from pros to local, like, so much has went on in the past, like, four months. It's unreal. And I just can't – I'm just so stoked. I, I can't believe we're finally back to, to talk about it, dude. I, I'm ready. Uh, dude, and you know what? I am as well. Uh, but first – West Virginia Motorsports, if you are looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, UTV, ATV, scooter, whatever it is that you need, make sure to stop by Princeton, West Virginia, or their brand new location, uh, Virginia Motorsports, that is actually in Withville, Virginia now. So uh, don't forget to order your parts for your current bike alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride and of course don't forget to get those oil filters and air filters on your way out and heavy d don't catch them on fire no don't don't do that man that's it'll stick with you for the long haul hey hey, we've been off for four months and don't think i didn't forget (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't think i didn't forget but dude let's get into some uh local motocross racing man it's uh like we said, it's been a uh, been a while since we've been, you know, able to talk about uh, some stuff, of course, here on the podcast. But um, I'm going to back it up a little bit and talk uh, about Loretta's. Um, you know, I did a whole thing on Imperative MX with the 93 riders and racers from the surrounding area up on uh, the ImperativeMX.com website. And uh, I tell you what, man, we did absolutely phenomenal for the – uh, for the local six, I would call it, the uh, surrounding states of, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, 
Maryland, Tennessee, West Virginia. Um, man, I tell you what, our uh, our little group in our little area uh, here did a phenomenal job at um, Loretta's, and I couldn't be more proud for the uh, riders and racers that uh, you know was able to go through the mud and deal with all of the adversity. And man, we we got a couple titles, we got a lot of top threes, we got a lot of top tens, and um, man, it was just awesome to uh, to see all of the locals go down to Loretta's and uh, and put it to them. Heck yeah, dude! It was man, it was it was sick to see. For one, like ninety three riders from the surrounding areas, it's pretty insane to know that we have that many top national national caliber riders that got to go to the ranch. And and, and what's funny is you know it's, I mean I know like it's a lot you know they're making it don't make it but it's it's still a lot out there dude that that you know didn't make it they had some unfortunate bad luck yep and didn't you know i i'm not gonna lie a bunch of the ones that didn't make it i want to say the ones that had some bad luck and didn't make we'd have been up in like the 120 130 range yeah in yep. my personal opinion yeah a lot of the like unadilla had a mud race and uh, i think a lot of the other regionals um, had a lot of mud to deal with, so it was a uh, it was quite a condition that the riders had to go through, and of course that you know with those muddy conditions uh, ends up with bad luck. But you know what the best thing about it is is that it's happening again next year, so there's another another opportunity to grab a ticket and go. Oh, 100 percent. You know, and I think the numbers will be even higher next year. You know, a lot of the uh, smaller kids coming up, a lot of the ones that you know come back for some redemption to make it that that should have made it this past year you know it's funny like you think about it like so many regionals was mud races yeah (laughs) i mean you know it's one of those things it is what it is you know i mean anything can happen like sometimes it's the luck of the draw and you got other guys that's just as consistent in the mud than rather than men in the regular you know rough and, and dry conditions right but you know if you notice it's like even at it's crazy the regional even at Loretta's it was like it was muddy so it it was one of those things it was just one of those years so hey I, I I've told a bunch of them I was like you know if you didn't make the Loretta's it was probably one of those years that you probably didn't want to go yeah that's right I had a good conversation with Zach Heron who of course was uh was uh part of the broadcast team at the ranch and of course he's from the local North Carolina area and and all of that we've had him on recent podcasts before and it was really cool to hear his voice early in the morning on race day um zach heron able to go over to the announcers and and go through the racing but yeah i was talking to him and he was like man that was that was a gnarly week for sure with all of the rain and the adversity and uh with the 50s they had to go at the end of the day and they were doing i think weege was doing podiums at like 805 810 when it was starting to get dark and yeah, man, it was uh, it was definitely a crazy week. But you know what the you know what the best thing about Loretta's is, even if you don't go, you're able to watch it. I mean, I took I took that whole week off because um, I was planning on going to Loretta's, and unfortunately, it didn't happen the way uh, I wanted it to, and some plans changed. But man, you were able to watch it all week, and you could watch every single class just about get to hear you know uh, what's going on and uh, live timing and all of that. So. Uh, it was really fun just to watch and and see the the locals uh, do really well, even if it was a mud race, you know. Oh, 100 percent, man! You know, like heck, 
I think I was off most of that week myself. I know I was off several days. Yeah. Because we were sitting talking back and forth and watching at the same time. Yep. But, dude, like, honestly, like, for me, like, I plan on going next year for sure. Like, I, I got to go next year. I haven't been in several years. I'm I'm honestly kind of glad I didn't get to go this year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it'd have been that fun. But I mean, it'd have been fun seeing a, a bunch of our locals do good because you know a, a lot of them shine in the mud, man. It, it's just like it opened up so many doors. Like it's you know Loretta's is one of those things, man. It's like even when you get there, like you got to draw for gate pick. So and. It's, it's it's like a luck of the draw, you know. Some of them they they don't get good gate picks, and it, from there it kind of like it, it's hard to like not get mentally flustered when you get a, a like a, a crappy gate pick, you know. Right. But for a bunch of them, I think it turned it around for a bunch of the families, you know. Uh, like even you know it was uh, it's so many woods. I want to say it's Caleb Wood at a um from the show. Yeah, South Carolina shows. Dude, he, he's GNCC, so he did phenomenal in the mud. Yep. Um, buddy Bo Reed here from Forest City. Yep. He did Got him phenomenal. a moto win on a 125. Yeah, on a 125. Yeah. That was so cool. That was awesome. I thought that was so badass, man. I'm like, man, it's like it. he's right there, and then it's just like, bam. Like, that That one thing can turn that whole week around. It can go from a shitty situation to the best situation ever because you put all that work in, you definitely want to do good. So, But – Dude, I, I, for the most part, I mean, I, I think it, it was a good year and an all-around good turnout for uh, the surrounding areas. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is my first year going through every single rider, so now I'll kind of have a, um, you know, a record of this stuff. You know, Chase Daschle did really well, and uh, Austin Meads, you know, the North or the NCMX uh, riders have been doing really well all the way to C-Class. I'm just kind of scrolling through this because I wanted to get down to um, – uh, to some of the uh, uh, the stats, but um, you know, even in the girls' class, you know, we had racers that did really well from Tennessee and Maryland and North Carolina. A lot of North Carolinans, that's for sure. And uh, you know, we always produce uh, some really, really good riders from from the areas. And uh, you know, there's plenty more. I went through every single class and and checked to see what their motor order, uh, what their motor score was, and what they finished overall. And it was pretty impressive on, um, you know, with the muddy conditions and all that, how everybody, um, you know, how everything turned out. But the the local six stats, you can put that in quotation. Um, we got two first place uh, finishes, 11 top threes, four top fives, 22 top tens, and 30 top 20s with a total entry of 93. Okay, so let me go ahead and say this right here. Like, that's impressive, but I, I'm not trying to discredit any other journalists. But the fact that you did all that homework is hella impressive. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I worked pretty hard on I worked very hard on that one. I'm not going to lie. But you know like, what? It was it, worth it. It was worth it because everybody really liked it and everybody really enjoyed it and uh, everybody appreciated the, uh, the article. And, of course, for – you know, because this, this – area doesn't get the spotlight that it deserves you know I was actually talking to a guy the other day and it's like man nobody used to write and take pictures for magazines and stuff like that sure you had like verb and moto playground that would come to these big events right but there was really nobody that um you know filled in the gaps for 
the local racing around the series. And, you know, I announced for NCMX series as well. And, um, you know, from District 13 to the Mama series to uh, East Bend to the, uh, you know, Top Gun and all of, all of those races down there, even the Outlaws, you know, there was no real person that that was, you know, um, eyeballing that stuff and actually keeping records of it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And I wanted to give it back to the, uh, to the local scene a bit. And that's pretty much the whole main reason and focus that I did it. And, uh, yeah, everybody seemed to really, really enjoy it. Oh, dude. As, I mean, as they should, honestly, like, dude, that is a lot of work. <laughs> like, to go, 93 riders to go through, search which what riders made it, names what classes they're gonna run they're like write all that out you know to give them the the proper recognition you know and then afterwards to go back and search it all again to total out 93 riders dude that's a lot of work like that's extremely impressive I gotta give you your props on that one hey I appreciate it because the first one I did was 30 and I did just the um Virginia, Tennessee, and North Carolina area, since those those areas, you know, I raced at, right? But then I was like, you know, since we're, you know, since I want to be, you know, the local guy and, and, you know, try to, you know, journalist all of this stuff, if that's even the correct term uh, in that sentence, but I wanted to kind of do all of the local surrounding area for all of the series, like Mama, Victory Sports, um, NCMX, um, and even some of the South Carolina uh, stuff as well. And, um, you know, so the first article that I did was 30-plus uh, riders, and then the next one I did was for all of the local six area. And, um, yeah, it ended up being 93. I did not expect it to go that way, but, hey, I got to give credit where credit is due. And, you know, West Virginia took home a title uh, in the mini E class, I do believe, uh, without me looking, don't quote me on that, but I definitely know is one of the 50 classes. And then, uh, you know, Daxon Bennett got the title in the 250 pro sport. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just went through all of the local, you know, the local areas for the local series that we talk about here on the podcast and felt like, you know, all, all of them deserve some sort of credit. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. I, it's pretty crazy. I, we we got pretty close to getting titles in all the surrounding areas. Almost it was so it was several that was like right there on the bubble. Yep. Uh, set from second places to um, third places to fifth places. You know. Um, yeah, we were all really close, and I mean the stats, you know, prove that you know we're a good area around here, and we produce some of the best motocross racers in the world. So um, you know, got to give credit where where credit is due for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the ones that didn't make it, it's okay. I did not make Loretta's until I was on big bikes. So, uh, never give up, never give up and always, uh, always keep trying and, um, you know, try to practice, uh, you know, even in muddy conditions, because like I said, you know, tracks are never going to be perfect. So, um, you got to get your practice in on some of the roughest and gnarliest tracks. And also in those muddy conditions where you don't feel like, uh, going out there, getting wet, getting cold, and having to do all of the stuff to uh, clean the bike up and clean yourself up and all of that. Sometimes it's worth it. Those those hard days uh, can definitely be worth it at the end, and especially, you know, at this year's Loretta's, right? Like, I mean, it was a mud fest. So, um, 
you have to be prepared for whatever obstacle throws your way. And Loretta's is one of those places where every single obstacle will be thrown your way, especially with three motos. Oh, dude, 100%. Um, 100%. Local racing com uh, coming up. Uh, I know the NCMX Series, uh, their next race is the North Carolina State Championship race, October 7th and 8th at NCMP, and I'll be there uh, announcing. Heavy D, I talked to you about it the other day. You got some stuff to do with Pops. So, uh, But, yeah, I'll be there uh, for that North Carolina State Championship race at NCMP for the NCMX Series. I believe it will be round number... Oh, boy. Uh, it was 11 when I was at Black Ankle. It was 12. So it would be round number 13 uh, of the NCMX series. And like I said, I'll be announcing there, hanging out. So if you guys want to come up to the tower or come out wherever I'll be uh, wherever I'll be at and you want to talk, no problem. Let's, uh, let's talk about some stuff. Um, District 13, Mega Series and Ultra Series at Birch Creek this weekend, uh, September 30th and October 1st. This weekend, that would be a big one. Uh, coming up, and actually, I have a um, a local scene podcast where I did one two weeks ago with Ryan Smith before the Nick Hayes Ride Day, and I'm going to be doing one again this week with the owner uh, Charles Snyder from Birch Creek, and talk to him about you know how he uh, ended up with Birch Creek, his background on the sport, and much much more. So make sure you guys uh, keep an eye out on that, and uh, it will be in the same Imperative MX podcast. Uh, so if you follow us on wherever you get your podcast from it will show up there as well um so make sure you guys keep an eye out on that and go and check out birch creek this weekend it's three series in, in one weekend so uh definitely go and try and get some points and uh get some good racing in. there will be a lot of people there i am sure and uh the mama series is having a race at doubling gap mx in pa this weekend uh as well so there's uh, quite a bit of racing that's going on, and the uh, best way for you to become better is to race, right, Heavy D? Heck yeah, man! Hey, there's no better no better practice than actual gate drops, getting out there and racing. Put yourself in the actual race condition and race situations. That's how you get better. That's right. That's right. And I've been having a lot of conversations with, um, you know, the powers that be for all of these series to figure out what is going to be good for you local riders and for the series and all of that so uh hopefully we can all uh you know come together and everything will will work out and um yeah have you know bring this local series back that's what i want to see that's uh, you know that's the reason i do this stuff is because i grew up in the in the local scene so did you heavy d and you know it 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 deserves the recognition that that it needs and um yeah, try to do the best that, you know, we can to try to make everything uh, better. And it's always sometimes good to get an outside viewership um, and, uh, you know, potentially help. So um, I know it's not all the series, but you know what I'm saying. Just try to get everybody working together to try to make it uh, better for the riders, right? So. Gotta, oh, absolutely. Got to make it better for everybody, so. Yeah, dude, that's what it's all about, you know, was, I mean – Without local racing, there would be no racing. So that's how I look at it. That's right. That's right. And even, you know, uh, from the outlaw all the way up to, you know, the the big series of victory sports, right? Like, they, you know, it's all got to be there. It's got to be stepping stones. And, and all of the series have, uh, you know, got to be there. And 
and try to race as much as possible because, you know, like we say all the time, that there is no better practice than going out there and getting gate drops. So, um, yeah, so, uh, again, NCMX will be doing their North Carolina State Championship race October 7th and 8th at NCMP. District 13 this weekend with the Mega Series and Ultra Series um, at Birch Creek and Mama Series happening this weekend as well, uh, Dublin Gap MX in Pennsylvania. Um, those are the upcoming races. And, of course, we'll get the Silver Valley and uh, the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash, of course, uh, in probably next week's episode. So you guys keep an eye out on that. And uh, last thing here for the local motocross racing that I have on the list, I am doing a local scene section that is going to come to the imperativemx.com website. Uh, you guys can check out the forum now for updates and series races, uh, races that are coming up. So make sure to keep an eye out for more uh, local scene podcasts like I just talked about from individuals from around the surrounding area. So um, I'm going to have a whole section that I'm going to do on the website. So if you guys want to check out what is uh, – what is happening with races and i may even go back and try to find some you know results and links and that sort of thing so if you want to go back and look at results from 2009 or 2007 or something it will be um available through the imperative mx website now it might take me a little bit but that is the uh that is the plan so um make sure you guys keep an eye out um on that and um of course like i said the local scene podcast uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more of those, and it probably will be from some people that you have never heard of before, and it's just because this person has just been behind the scenes and been around the surrounding area, and they have a lot of knowledge and kind of want to hear their take on stuff and, and see what, you know, they have done for the sport or within the sport. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that still race nowadays that used to race Supercross back in the 90s that you would probably never know. You know, so try to try to talk to some of the some of them, get their insight and all of that. So I think the people will really start to enjoy that, Heavy D. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it's funny you talk about that because I was just watching like a, a podcast clip of uh, Daniel Blair um, on the public action. Doug Earls. Yeah, Dougie. Dude, it's funny because um, I was over at uh, my buddy uh, Frankie Mullinex shop, Creative Motorsports. He sponsors our local series the carolina outlaw series yeah. got the shop up and um i went to get my nephew a stasic and uh dougie was in there sitting down uh shooting uh crap with uh frankie and we was all in there talking and uh he's like he's well known in the surrounding area he's one of those guys you know he was he's a bad dude when he was younger as well yeah uh, yeah it's funny to hear daniel blair talk about it. he was like as soon as i think i had competition i locked up instantly <laughs> yeah oh man he was, was like so this good. pretty good yeah yeah that left-handed corner bit him pretty hard that's for sure oh dude it it, it folded it folded daniel blair over bro <laughs> he was just like I, i'm over it like as soon as he hit the ground he was like yep no going back to managing these kids yep uh, uh, i'm out yeah, I am Orange Brigade and, and and a trainer now. I am not a racer, and yeah, I'm out. I am out. But but you but what's fun? It, it's funny, but at the same time, it's like I think it was. It's a good thing not the, the crash happened. I don't ever want to see anybody crash. Right, but right. Like like for for Daniel, just because it goes to show, like all right, like dang, it is it is a lot of talent over here on the East Coast. Like 
Yep. I understand, like, you know, Dougie's a vet, but it's like, man, like, he he's good now. Like, he's well-known. He was a bad dude when he was younger, but, you know, he didn't get that recognition. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of kids over here, dude, that's, that's fast, like, that need that kind of recognition. Yep. So, I mean, I, I you know, at the same time, I, it was funny that it, it, it played out like that. But at the same time, I, it's like, I, it, it was cool because it's like Daniel – he sees like you know it is a lot of talent over here. It just it ain't just out on the West Coast and in California and all of that. Like yep. it's kids over here just as fast. They just don't get that recognition because a lot of them don't get to go to those bigger races, or some of them don't really push the the press envelope to go to Loretta's or any of these other nationals. That's so right. yeah, yeah. No, I complete I completely understand. And yeah, I mean like you know. I try to bring light to those riders that don't get it. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to listen to it, I know the main event moto podcast, um, with Daniel, I know he talked a lot about it, but he even brought it up on, um, Steve Mathis's podcast, the Pulp MX show, uh, this past Monday. So, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to see that, uh, people from around the surrounding area are, uh, are getting the recognition, uh, that they deserve for sure, and Doug did uh, did well at Loretta's too, even with the conditions. And yeah, he was a he was a badass back in the day, and still is, right? So um, he used to run with the best of them, and apparently now he's uh, making people retire. So <laughs> <laughs> the dude, he's an animal. He goes and rides and chases around his kids, like, and still has energy left. The yeah. dude's a dog. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, um, right now we're gonna go ahead and switch over to the professional side. With the call-in from Muckoff FXR Club MX 450 rider, Garrett Marchbanks. Mika Metal strives to be the leader in product quality. Their bars are constructed of 6061 aerospace aluminum and have a unique design that allows them to retain maximum strength while still having the flex rider's desire. Mika sprockets are made from 7075 aerospace aluminum, the highest standard in the industry. They're unique tooth design maximizes wear and lets you ride longer so make sure to go and check out mikametals.com check out their inventory to see for yourself handlebars sprockets tie down straps chains sprays front and back brake pads and much much more so make sure to go and check them out at mikametals.com and we are giving away one free handlebar of any choice from Mika Metals right here on this episode of the Imperative MX podcast so make sure to email imperativemx at gmail.com for a chance to win any style handlebar that Mika Metal offers. From the 50cc series to the PW50 series, the Raw, the Raw Pro Hybrid series, any of those could be yours. So make sure to email imperativemx at gmail.com and we will choose a random winner, uh, winner on the next episode here on the podcast. But right now on the phone, we have a Mika Metal rider on that Muckoff FXR Club MX 450 to a seventh overall in the inaugural Super Motocross World Championship. It's friend of the pod, Garrett Marchbanks. What's happening, Garrett? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, man, uh, you're heading up to uh, Utah to get a little bit of a break, huh? Yeah, driving. I uh, got in from LA on Sunday and then started my drive yesterday from South Carolina to Utah. Man, that that's a that's a wild trip. But I remember uh, when we actually started the pod last year, you were kind of doing the same thing, and that's kind of like what you do in your off season—take a little bit of time to go back home, huh? 
yeah, definitely. Uh, we got a month off, thankfully, and uh, yeah, just sort of go home and go train some kids and uh, do some hunting camping. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what's your favorite uh, Mika handlebar or product that you and the team have uh, have been using these last couple of years? Because I know you've been on Mika handlebars for a long time, and uh, the team has been uh, partnered with them for a long time. Um, I mean, this sounds pretty bad. I... Say that again. You cut out. My fault. Oh, no, you're good. I just said, this might sound bad, but uh, I don't even know what barbend I'm running on my bars, actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you you might be the first rider that doesn't know that. Hey, at least he admitted it. Yeah, at least you admitted it. <laughs> just put them all. This feels good. We'll go with this one. Yep. Yeah, I honestly, I, I haven't looked at a set of handlebars in so long, so, yeah, I... I can't even tell you what's on there. I mean, I could stop the pickup right now and go look in the bed of the truck, the one I got, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, you're good, but but they work, obviously. They were on your bike that took you to a seventh overall and did really well in the outdoors, so, of course, they work, right? Yeah, no, they're a great set of handlebars. Uh, I, I feel like they're super comfortable, and, uh, no, I, I really like them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dude, uh, over 130K – you won over those last three, uh, those last three races uh, to that seventh overall, of course, and then uh, with the purse money at each race. Um, what are you gonna do with it? Um, go buy a car, probably. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't need anything, honestly. Uh, you know, I'm probably just gonna put the money away and just save it for uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, when retirement comes around, yep. uh, which I know is not for another hopefully long time. Yeah. But, no, I mean, heck, I, I don't know at the moment what I'd want to <laughs> buy with it. But, you know, I'm happy with what I got right now. So, hopefully in the future, the next couple of years, use that money to buy a house. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You might buy, buy yourself a new bow. Yeah, honestly, like, uh, I just bought a brand new one last year, so I'm pretty set up with it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> did uh, did Phil try to headbutt you for a chunk of it? Um, I mean, when, it, when we raced Chicago and I had my bad round, I definitely thought he was uh, going to be coming out swinging in those motos this weekend. I was a little nervous, so. Yeah. Yeah, during practice all week, he was giving me a hard time <laughs> saying he's going to He's gonna run it in on me, and I was like, "Yeah, well, we'll see about that." But. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's good. That's good. Um, how did you feel uh, on the more Supercross track this weekend in in LA on the 450? Because Charlotte was a little bit of a hybrid track, and then of course Chicago was like a full blown outdoor track. Um, how'd you feel on the Supercross track uh, in LA in the Coliseum and on the 450? Um. Heck, I mean, I haven't really rode that much Supercross on a 450 before. Right. Um, I mean, I did last year uh, getting ready for Daytona, and, yeah. I mean, the bike was totally different during that time. And, heck, even before Daytona, I only had four days on the bike, so I didn't really have a solid setup. Right. Uh, yeah, going into these rounds, I didn't know what to set up for, you know. They said it was outdoor, Supercross, the boat. Because... for Charlotte. Um, there's definitely, you know, soft in the rhythm sections, but luckily we only had the one. Uh, for Chicago, 
we went with my high point outdoor setting and yeah i mean in practice it, it felt super good um we went to the races we didn't know how it was going to feel and heck, it, it, the track was totally different from practice the race right. so we definitely had to stiffen up the bike a lot um we actually made a lot of changes in between moto one and two in uh, chicago okay but uh, when we went to L.A., we went with a full Supercross bike, and we, we did a bunch of testing on Tuesday after Chicago, and, uh, no, we got the bike pretty dang dialed in for L.A. Yeah, no, and it seemed to definitely work um, for sure, um, especially with all of the changes because, you know, from Charlotte to Chicago and L.A., it was it was quite a bit different than what you guys are normally, uh, you know, what you guys are normally thrown at as far as, uh, tracks and that sort of thing. Do you think, do you feel like you um, had a little bit of advantage on that, or do you feel like it was a little bit of a disadvantage for all of the uh, changes you had to make to the bike? I mean, I feel like it was a fair game for everyone, you know. Everyone didn't know what the tracks were going to be like. You right. Know? It was just kind of, I feel like whoever guessed the best, you <laughs> know, yeah. uh, I set up and uh, I'd say LA though was kind of a little bit of a disadvantage just because at club we don't have that blue group hard pack style tracks. Right. So definitely some of the West Coast guys had a little bit of an advantage on us, but I mean, luckily I rode a lot of that stuff when I rode for Mitch and even as a younger kid. So it, it honestly took me a little bit longer than I thought, but by the time Moto One, I'd say halfway through the main, I started clicking with the track and uh, no, it was good. No, that's awesome. Um, what did you think about the whole SMX format and, and how it went down and uh, the three races, the points coming in and all of that? Um, what did you think about the whole Super Motocross format and how it all went down? Um, I definitely thought it was interesting. You know, it definitely makes you want to, I guess, race the whole season of uh, Supercross and outdoors just so you can carry in more points going into the playoffs. Yeah. But, um, no, it's definitely cool. I mean, the points were definitely interesting. Uh, the tracks were really different. Um, I really like Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte was a cool track. Yep. Um, I like that one. I feel like that was probably the best round and the best passing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was probably uh, a 50-50 between that one and L.A. I really like those two. Uh, Chicago was, man, I mean – not just because I had a bad night, but that was one of the gnarliest tracks I've ridden. Uh, just due to the speed. I mean, on one of the straightaways, like, we were like fourth gear, fifth gear wide open on a 450. Yeah. And it, it was That's kind ridiculous. of scary on some parts. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting. I mean, I, I hope in the future, if they do them again, they can build them a little bit more super crossy just to help uh, spread out some of the guys. Yeah. But uh, besides that, no, it was cool. No, that's awesome. Um, so I guess you're going to go Charlotte, L.A., Chicago for your favorite tracks and locations uh, for this year? Yeah, I'd definitely say so. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 26 with Garrett Marchbanks uh, to that seventh overall Muckoff FXR Club MX Yamaha Heavy D. Yeah. Man, it's funny. I know when you said um, I forgot which round it was, but you said y'all went with your high point setup, and I was just thinking about high point because I was gonna ask you a question about that. Did y'all like go with the high point setup because like 
Dude, High Point earlier this year, you were ripping. Like, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but, like, I mean, you was running third when Kenny was chasing. I mean, Jet was case, chasing Kenny, and you was right there on him for, like, the longest. It's like, did y'all go with that setup? Because it, that was probably one of the better races where you was, like, ripping at. Yeah, I'd definitely say so. I mean, honestly, I, I wanted to run my original outdoor setting that I ran for the rest of the year because in uh, after High Point, we went with a totally different bike. And, oh. Uh, yeah, so I also, when we first hopped on the 450, uh, we, we ran races, uh, clamps, and everything. And that was just because that's just what I started on. So we ran Denver and High Point on the one setting, and then we got into testing mode after that. And I thought I figured out a way better bike. And, yeah, they they basically went with that setting in Chicago because the High Point setting was way stiffer of a setup than I was originally running at the end of the season. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, so, I was curious about that because I was like, man, like, he said high point. I was like, dude, I was just thinking about that because at high point, he was shredding. Like, he was right there on jet. I think, what was it, the second moto? It was first or second. I can't remember which moto it was. I just remember you were ripping that one. I was like, oh, I wonder if they went with that because that's what he was, like, really doing good on. I didn't know y'all actually went with a whole other bike uh, after that. That's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, we so they they definitely went with it because they thought just how good I rode with it and for how much stiffer the rear shock was, um, they wanted to go with that with Chicago. Um, personally, in my opinion, I didn't gel with the bike on sand uh, with that setup. Um, oh, the outlaws are kind of finicky on the front end. And right. I, I knew that the rest of the rounds after high point were not really rutted traps. They, I mean, they were, but it was more of a sandier setup at Redbud, Southwick. So I told them, I was like, we got to find a setup that's going to handle the sand. Right. Because the, the two days I rode sand track on that bike, um, I had three big crashes. Mm. And it was all from the front end just tucking. And so it was kind of one of those things like, I couldn't build the front end. So I would say with that setup for a super rutted tacky track, the high point settings, the best setting I've ever ran. But Ooh. for, you know, sandier setups, uh, the setup I'm on right now, I would say towards the, from high point on, it was better. Or another setting was better. That makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, they, they definitely wanted me to go back to it just because I rode so good. But, I mean, I always look back at High Point. I feel like I did so much better there at Thunder Valley was due to uh, the tracks getting slower and a lot more running. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I, I look at it as, as an amateur, that's what we grew up on at Loretta's and Freestone. Those tracks were not as fast, rutted tracks, so it kind of brought back my amateur mentality and what I what I trained on as a kid. So I feel like on that style of tracks, that's what I really gel on. On yeah. the more high-speed, sandier stuff where, you know, I don't know, it's, I guess riding the fine line of speed, I kind of struggle with I got you. Uh, yeah. Mm. So in um, 
in 2024, uh, you're going back to the 250. And uh, we've, all, of course, all of us have been really seeing you excel on the 450. And um, uh, especially this year. Um, what, what was the plan with the switch back for? Like, was it the team? Was it you or both? Can you explain a little bit why? Um, you know, because you've done so well on the 450, and I, I, you know, personal opinion, I feel like you fit the 450 very well, and you've proved yourself that you can run up there with those top guys. Um, Agreed. What, what's the what's the reasoning on on you going back to the 250? Man, uh, I I just feel like personally in my career, I I never really got to show my true self in the lights class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had my flashes and moments of it, and I, I truly felt like this year I was kind of robbed of showing how good I was on the 250 and how good our bike was at the moment. Mm-hmm. And with me getting hurt, I just feel like it, I was kind of bummed on that. I didn't know, you know, how I would have done. Right. So for me, I, I wanted to do at least one to two more years on the 250 in Supercross. Okay. Um, the team of the team and I talked, you know, about full-time 450. I know they definitely wanted me to, especially how well I did this outdoor season and in the playoffs. Yeah. But, uh, no, I just, I, I, for me, I personally feel like I could really be a, I guess, a, title a threat. one to three guys. Yeah. Yeah. A title yeah. threat. Thank you. Yeah. And title threat. Uh, no, that's, that's the end goal. I've always wanted to win a title in the lights class and, you know, if it works out, great. I, I'm happy, but if not, you know, we've got the 450 to go to. Yeah, no, that's good. Definitely coming back with uh, redemption and, um, you know, definitely getting back to, a, to you know, I hate to throw this around, you know, because we've talked about it on the pod because you've been on the pod a couple of times, but going back to Daytona, right, like, you know, it was unreal what, what you were able to do there, and unfortunately you weren't able to carry that momentum Um going forward and all of that and yeah just with bad luck and injuries and stuff you just really want that redemption to uh make yourself a title threat and also i'm sure for the team too because the team hasn't um you know had as much success in the 250 as they as what they want to right so i think it i i I see where you're coming from that you want to because you believe in the bike obviously because if you didn't believe in the bike then you wouldn't want to and you would want to go on the 450 am i kind of on the right track yeah, no, I, I would agree 100%. I mean, there was a little bit of questioning, uh, especially for all of us during outdoors this year, uh, for the first two rounds with right. me, Jeremy, and Preston. I mean, we, we couldn't get out of the gate, and we were struggling on certain things. And uh, I think it was just an issue. You look at it as outdoors is all about, in the lights class, it's a horsepower game. Right, right. And I think we were definitely struggling there. But where Supercross you can get away with a bike that doesn't have a crazy amount of horsepower. You know, it's all about technique and, um, you know, the timing of things. And I feel like for me, I I definitely have that down. And I feel like I can definitely get some work done in the lights class and super cross. That's awesome. That's awesome. What can we do to fix the starts? What can we do to fix Garrett Marchbanks' (laughs) starts, bro? What can we do? I mean, uh, <laughs> is it a reaction it time? I, like, you, you got to start playing no, some video games. Like, <laughs> man, you're, you're killing me because everyone says that to me. It's like, oh, what do you, what do you got to do? And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I, I will do like F before. Uh, oh hell, 
it was uh, after Thunder Valley before High Point. Yeah. I was like, all right, that's it. I got to figure this shit out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was bugging the hell out of me. So I had me, my mechanic, the team, my girlfriend. I was like, all right. I told my girlfriend, I was like, you're going to record every start I do. She's like, how many are we doing? I was like, until I say we're done. <laughs> and I think we did. Like, God, y'all. <laughs> I was like, that be too yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was adamant about it. I was like, we're doing this. I got to figure it out. And. I think we're out there for a couple hours just doing start after start after start. We did like 30 to 40 starts. It was definitely more than 30. Yeah. And I studied every single film that she took, and it was like, all right, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not double clutching. I'm not doing this. What 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 am I doing? And the crazy thing I found out was uh, one of the world Supercross guys came out there to do some starts with me my, on my last five starts. And it was Matt Moss. I'm kind of thankful that he came out there. Yep. And he immediately whole-shotted me. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I was like, I literally just did 30 starts, best starts I've ever done, and I just got my ass kicked on these starts. <laughs> and he was, he was rolling forward on the gate, and I was like, well, you can't do that. There's a block behind it. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this on this one start. So I lined up about five inches, six inches behind him, and I like to release the clutch slower on the 450. My issue is I'll dump it too fast and the bike will plunge. Right. So I did that reaction with it. So my thinking was if I start up a little farther back, well, the grade's well, so the tacky, it's going to lunge me out farther and right. with more speed than everyone by the time we hit the dirt. So I did that and I whole shot it on the rest of the starts. Mm. And I was like, well, all right, well, I guess we'll try this at high point, and I about pull a damn pull shot. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that obviously worked. And at that point, it was just more getting the timing down and doing that that type of style start right. every time. And I think that was the issue a little bit was if I could time it right, or not time the gate, but just release it slow enough to where I'm getting all the power to the ground, it's going to work. But yep. if not, you're getting already beat before the gate drops yeah or the back tire so, starts spinning right so and then you're out by that point so yeah um honestly i don't charlotte i couldn't i was coming out the gate really good i watched film i was coming off the great good like bar the bar with them but the issue i couldn't figure out was getting down the hill right man phil both right yeah so i was kind of like whatever uh it's just off weekend and then I just kind of got pinched. I, I didn't pick the best dates. I was a little fresher with that one. But L.A., we changed mapping from uh, from Supercross setting back to my outdoor one because I like an aggressive bike. Right. And what was happening was I was coming off the grade super good. Even the last moto, I came off good in front of Cole or whoever was next to me. But as soon as I hit the dirt, my back wheel spun like it was a cement start just from how torquey the bike was. Right. So, yeah, that was kind of my, my thing of Supercross was we just got to figure out, you know, the hard pack soil is to go to a different pull shot button. Or not button, but a map. Right. That helps so it's not so aggressive. But, no, I agree with you. I mean, my starts still need work on, but, I mean, I definitely felt like after high point, I was – starting a lot better than I ever have because I know last year my average start in outdoors was like 20th place. 
Yeah. I think this year they said it was like town. Yeah, so that's that's so, a lot better. And I mean, you were pretty much staying right, you know, that you were on the back tire of of those, you know, factory guys, and you were, uh, it was you and Masterpool pretty much, you know, that were right at the tail end. And um, you know, it, I, I mean, I was even watching it at Buds and really, really paying attention to you. And um, you know, you were behind AC for forever. And I was like, man, he's gonna get him. He's gonna get him. He's gonna get him. But I mean, you know, you still finish right behind him, which is still good you know and i know those guys don't want a privateer uh bike beating them right um but you were giving them all right. the business that that you know that they could handle for sure and i know they were coming off the track you know not just ac but um any of the other guys you know they were they were uh they were definitely feeling you behind for sure no homo pause right. so yeah so um but uh, other than other than utah of course uh what's the plan for the uh for the off season why you got a little bit of uh time um i mean are you talking about the time off or training wise uh well i was gonna get to when's the date for uh you know boot camp and training for 24 but since you have this month um you know i know you're going to utah training some kids and doing some hunting is that pretty much what's going to consume your your off season month uh pretty much yeah pretty much i mean um I'm driving home now. I'll be home tomorrow, and uh, basically my plan is to get the old camper ready. And uh, this weekend I have a camp in Wyoming. Uh, I'll do, and then after that, uh, basically take my camper out to the lake, park it there, and uh, yeah, I'll be doing some deer and elk hunting, uh, see some family, and yeah, that's about it. That's all I really do when I'm home. Sometimes I'll go uh, off-roading on the bike, and. After that, I believe uh, the first of November basically is when I'll start my boot camp. Okay, I got you. So pretty much right at right there at the beginning of November is when is when you guys will start. Do you know what coast uh, you're riding for next year, or we'll have to wait? Um, we're gonna have to wait and see. Probably. Uh, I know. I I've definitely wanted to push for East Coast. I I definitely like the East Coast tracks a little better. Yep. Um. Honestly, at this point in my career, I, I, I'm not too picky now. You know, I've rode West Coast twice, East Coast twice. Yep. And uh, I feel like I'm pretty dialed on either one. But, you know, my big thing is I like Daytona. Uh, yeah. I like some of those tracks over there. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my preference, I guess, is to be able to do the East Coast. But we'll, we'll see here probably in the final. That's awesome. Uh, are the Manchild Vlogs making a comeback anytime soon? Man, I, I don't know. Um, you know, a photographer and a video guy is pretty expensive nowadays. Uh, you know, I, I've thought about doing it myself. I'm not much of a camera guy holding a GoPro to my face. so Definitely uh, not a we'll weed. Definitely know, not a weed. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not that. But, <laughs> you know, uh, there's definitely been talk. I've been trying to figure it out. But I'm hoping maybe next year, if, if I do start it up, it's not going to be every every week like it was it might be once a month or twice a month and that's about it yeah that's awesome because I, I i did enjoy myself and i know a, i know a, a good amount of people from around the surrounding area uh enjoy enjoyed those you know just behind the scenes seeing what you guys are doing and stuff and i mean the club the club life um uh i think it's ripper media that did that those those right yeah, he, he was my guy last year. I did my YouTube stuff, and then he won the club. Yeah, no, I mean, and and that's an awesome series that you guys do through that. You know, from Phil to 
to Kilroy, to Nice, to you, to J-Mart. I mean, and all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of, you know, people don't get to see. They actually get to see it now, and um, and it's cool. They come out every week, and they show some uh, clips of you guys riding throughout the week and uh, early morning stuff before racing and you guys kind of shit-talking back and forth and stuff. Like, I think, that, I think that's cool uh, for the sport and for the fans. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Uh, you know, it's nice. Uh, photographer our guy that uh videos us rob you know it's nice to have a guy that you know well so you're not you know shy around the camera and, right you know he does a great job with it uh yeah it's it's nice to have teammates too that you get along with and are pretty close and yeah no it, it's cool I, I i enjoy it that's awesome uh heavy d before we wrap it up do you got any got anything else i just want to know like with how does it feel to know you made? I mean, you, I, I'm pretty sure you've made it before, without a doubt. But within three races, to make like what, hundred fifty thousand dollars? Like, what's that feeling like? Knowing like, dang, like our sport is kind of is getting better. I just made hundred fifty grand in three races. Like, does that feel pretty good? Like, I know you probably just like I, I can let it sit back and chill, but like to me, that's like. That's pretty sweet. I want to know what it's like to have 150 grand just chilling. Yeah, I mean, I I, I haven't made that much money just sitting there, you know, at once. Uh, I mean, uh, man, I, I didn't know how I did I, with everyone, you know, getting hurt at the last round and uh, some of those guys that allowed me to move up, you know, after the race. I didn't know. I, I know I was sitting at ninth, which was around 90K, which I'm still super happy with. Yeah. You know, when I got back to the pit, they're like, man, you just made 120K. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and, no, it, it's it's definitely awesome. I'm super thankful for it. Uh, you know, I, I wish Moto was like that from the start. You know, a lot of these guys, we work so hard compared to other sports. And I'm not putting other sports down. But, you know, for what we do and what we risk our lives for, you know, I, I wish the money was like that all the time. And, you know, it, it definitely helps set us up, especially some of the privateers that helps them, you know, yeah. prepare for the next race for next year. So, you yeah. know, it, it's it, definitely awesome to have. It's, it's crazy because I remember it's like, just thinking about it, like, you know, years ago, U.S. Open to win it was like $100,000. And then, you know, they came up with Monster Cup. If you won all three races, you, you made a million. But if you just won, like, overall, it was only $100,000. So, I mean, I think that's pretty big, like, for the playoffs to go make one hundred twenty k. Like, to me, that's a big step in the right direction because, like, you know, it is a lot of risk and low reward. So, to know you can, you know, go and do that and be like, dang, I made one hundred twenty k. Like, it's not a bad three three weekends, you know? No, not at all. I mean, it's, it's definitely awesome and uh... – you know, you look at the Monster Cup stuff, you know, it's only the winner that gets it. You know, right. the rest of the guys don't make anything. So it's just kind of like you're, you're kind of hoping that you, you have a chance at winning. And now it's you, you got a guy like me that got six overall in the night and seventh overall in the season. And, you know, I'm coming out with what a guy would have won at Monster Cup even if he didn't win the overall, right. you know, on a 1-1-1. And, you know, I, I – I think it's awesome that a guy like me was able to make that money and other guys as well. And, you know, I, I hope they keep doing that for the sport. I think that'll make 
racers want to race even more and want to keep I think I think it'll help have more guys do outdoors and supercross and not just one or the other um, but no it, it's definitely awesome and yeah it, it was cool to know I made that much made more than my my salary so I was definitely <laughs> definitely thankful for that yeah uh, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> sure, and 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 of course you get the purse money too at each round. So I think I think the total ended up being like over 130, uh, but still, you know, that's just unbelievable, and and it's awesome for you guys and for the privateers too. That um, you know, it, you know, for a um, for a guy like Luke, right? Like it's it's good to see him, you know, be able to make it in. I actually don't know uh, if did he get in the top 22 or was he just out. Yeah, he was just out, but he was able to get some purse money and was able to at least be in it, um, you know, Kilroy too, and at least be part of it. So for next year, they know what to expect, and they know, um, you know, hey, let's do all Supercross, all Motocross, and maybe, you know, I have a shot at, you know, fifty, seventy-five, ninety thousand dollars if everything works out right. So um, for the first year, I think I think they did a phenomenal job. Um, if you could think of like one thing that you think they should change for next year coming from a rider yourself what would you think that or what would you say uh at like a meter uh, meeting with like Prater or Coombs or whoever the case may be um like hey guys let's let's try to fix this or or maybe something could be different is there anything on the top of your head that you could think of I mean I definitely talked to Coombs after Indiana I think one of the big things about traps was I think they should rip it like how they used to. Um, I think the tracks are too flat now. They yeah. don't get rough enough and rugged enough like they are. I think if we could see more tracks like uh, High Point and Thunder Valley, that gnarly rutted conditions, yeah. uh, I think it makes it a lot more interesting and passing's a lot better. Yeah. It's, it's more of a challenge. The other option, yeah. Yeah. And I think the other one would be... Uh, Instead of the playoffs, I think they should just do it as a combined uh, combined with Supercross and Outdoors, so that makes everyone happy. I got you. I got you. Yeah, that would uh, that would that would work too. Um, but I do agree 100% with the track rip because you want that separation, right? And on those fast outdoor tracks, you know the guys, you know you guys in the top 10, top 15, whatever, you guys are only separated by like two, three seconds, you know, and um, you know, you could have a little bit more, uh, of course, of passing and, and also um, make it more uh, challenging because all these dudes, they do the same uh, jumps. Everybody does the same thing, right? It's just about the speed and the momentum and how much you carry into your corners and picking the right rut and trying to figure out, um, you know, throughout the moto, which one is the best line for you and, um, and all of that. So it gives out a little bit more of a challenge. And, yeah, definitely this year, I mean, Iron Man, that was the first time I've ever been to Iron Man and seeing it. It was cool and all of that, but I definitely remember it being way rougher back in the day. Yeah, no, I agree because I remember racing there for a regional back in, I think it was 2018, and that regional got way rougher and way more rugged than the national ever did. Wow. And it, it was it blew me away because that, that was one of my favorite tracks growing up and riding. Yeah. And... I only rode it twice, but it, it was still really fun. Right. And to see how much tracks have changed from my amateur days to now, I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy just how the lack of prep that they do for ripping the tracks and getting them, you know, good. 
Right. Right. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm 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 uh really proud to hear that, you know, you got the seventh overall and got some money in the bank for uh your four oh one K and and all of that and now you're off to Utah for uh off season and yeah, Supercross will be here before you know it. I think I think it said 11, 11 weeks and uh, six days on Sunday or on Saturday. I'm sorry um, until Anaheim yeah. won. So it'll come up pretty quick. And uh, yeah, man, be safe on your uh, travels. And uh, thanks a lot for coming on to the pod once again. No, thank you for having me. You guys have a good night. Yeah, man, you as well. We'll see you later. See ya. And that was Garrett Marchbank, seventh overall on that muck-off FXR Club MX Yamaha in the 450 Super Motocross Championship. And, man, that's that's a lot of money, Heavy D, just, just to have sitting around. And like he said, that's more than his salary, you know. So that's awesome just to have, you know, of course the salary, but also have that bonus sitting in your, in, you know, in your back pocket. That's, that's really cool for a privateer on, you know, on a privateer team, right? So – um, man, that's awesome. Oh, 100%. And I'll tell you, it makes me wonder because it's like, you know, you notice when he said they was like, you got such and such, you made 120K. He was like, huh? Yep. Dude, I I guarantee he was like, man, this 120,000 is pretty nice. I wonder what that million feels like. Right? Right? Like, like maybe. <laughs> man. I should have I should have uh, contacted uh, Myrtle, try to get uh, or Jacob, try to get Jet to come on, ask him what a million dollar richer feels like. The, yeah, you want some? Is it, we never got to talk about this, but I don't know. Was I don't know if it was just me. It was just me from my point of view. And when he won the outdoor title, he had the trophy. I swear, it's like he did not even care. Uh, he's just he's he's. Um, you know, for for Jet and all of that, he knew he had the three races that are coming up, right? Yeah, sure, he went perfect and undefeated, right? But those champions always are looking forward, you know, and they're mm-hmm. they're focused on the next thing, and the next thing was the million dollars, and you know, he was focused on that because I'm telling you, I did that that interview with him after Charlotte when he didn't do too hot, uh, or you know, he didn't win, right? Um, right. Man, he was he was he was pissed. He was not happy. So uh, th- right then and there, I was like, "Yeah, bro, he's you know, he's he's trying to win everything, you know." So um, man, it was uh, it was awesome to hear from Garrett, and that's uh, obviously been racing these last three races. And one thing I didn't even get to ask was the lighting in Chicago, because a lot of the riders were complaining about the the lighting at Chicago, and I'm sure that he had a problem with that too. But you know what was really interesting is that he talked about the high point setup at Chicago and I almost said this that it actually kind of reminded me of a little bit of high point dirt like high point how the ruts formed and and that sort of thing like I don't know if I'm if I'm crazy or not but I don't know I felt like that actually worked out for the best oh 100% like it was it's funny I was just thinking I was like dang like that high point set up, it worked out. And, shoot, what do you know? They took it to World Supercross. Like, yeah. But like he explained, too, he was like, he, uh, that wasn't the better setup. It was just the one he did real good on. He felt like the Thunder Valley one was the better one. So, 
Yeah. But, you know, just thinking just thinking about it and looking back, like, yeah, it definitely does remind me a little bit of a little bit of high point because of just of how rough and gnarly it was um, that you would need, you know, that suspension for either like Thunder Valley or for high point. Right. Like you would need that type of setup to deal with Chicago because of the way that it was the the ruts, the uh, the breaking bumps and that sort of thing. And you didn't really have, you know, big supercross type jumps and you can get away with it um but yeah i mean it was uh it was crazy and and uh, and awesome to see um and actually get to hear uh you know a little bit about the bike setup and what he did and i might get called out for saying that it was a lot like high point but you know that's my own personal view and you know it is what it is well i mean you were you were like very live in person you know so i think it may be other opinions just like yours. You never know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, he said he went to the high point setup, so there had to be a reason for that. So it must have maybe maybe reminded him a little bit of high point and how the dirt was and all of that. That's And, and I'm just thinking about that now because he said it, and I'm you know going through my head, and it's like, yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of high point dirt, even though it probably was different and, you know, all of that. But I could see why he wanted to go to that setup. Um, and that's the reason I say it. Um, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, for over 10 years, they've designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. The awesome graphics and decals are utilized by professionals and weekend warriors alike. The highly acclaimed design team is well-equipped to help their customers get the look they want in a short amount of time. The design team prides themselves on creative collaboration, and they not only offer superior quality decals and top-notch designs, but at an affordable price for any budget. Make sure you use the code IMPERATIVEMX, all caps, no space, for 20% off code to save you money on your next purchase from the awesome people over there at Dirt Industries Custom Graphics in Rayford, North Carolina. Helmet wraps like we did for Dawson Cobb, Heavy D at, at uh, Loretta's. That was sick, wasn't it? Oh, dude, that that helmet, it stood out. It was it was, it was, it was badass. Like, it, it might be it cursed because my man hit the ground a couple of times, but I tell you what, it at least looked good. Yeah, yeah dude, that was – I was pumped on it. I mean, hey, I think that was just – one of those deals like everybody I don't care who you are everybody that goes you gotta pay your dues one one way or another Loretta sometimes. that's right that's right you have one good year the next year could be bad and then the next year will be great and then the next year will be bad and yeah man it just it's it's part of the sport right not everybody's perfect unless you're Jet Lawrence Dude, and go perfect in outdoors everybody I know that went to the ranch has had to pay their dues at Loretta's Adam Pizzarello has I remember Plessinger went undefeated in B. The next year, come back, he could not keep it off the ground in A for nothing. Yeah, like it's a lot of top dudes that went to Loretta's and paid their dues, and then they have the years where they do good. That's just how it is. That's right. So for uh, helmet wraps, banners, license plates, uh, graphics, window tent, all all sorts of stuff that they do over there. I don't know about window tent. I might have just thrown that in there for whatever. But whatever you need. Dirt Industries Custom Graphics has you covered. Hydropower. Hydropower is a, is formulated by a sports nutritionist himself 
to help eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. Make sure to check out Dirt, or uh, I almost said Dirt Industries, uh, drinkhydropower.com to get your Blue Raz today. They also have brand new flavors. Uh, so go and check out Dirt or uh, drinkhydropower.com to get um, rid of that arm pump and increase your endurance. The link is in the description of this podcast for a 10% off code uh, for any purchase of any HydroPower products. Uh, Super Valley MX Park, Heavy D, tell them about it. Uh, the only local national. You're the greatest. Only local national out there. You're they got the race coming up, the AB All-Star, of course, the race that we look forward to every single year happening the 21st of, uh, of October. So hope to see everybody there. We want to see all of the best A and B class riders come out from your training facility, came, come out from the bubble, and uh, come to the only local national. It will help you at Loretta's. It will help you ev everywhere and anywhere. Um, so make sure to come out to Silver Valley. MX Park in Lexington, North Carolina, October 21st. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Heavy D, you better be there. Uh, I'm most definitely going to be here. I, that's the one I'm not missing. Okay, thank God. Because, I mean, I mean, you know, you've been a little – been a little off your game this year so we got to get we got to get you back and and you know you're missing out on ncmp you missed out on windy hill you missed out on black ankle when i was announcing so we definitely need to have you there at silver valley oh dude i've missed out on so much she is unreal hey it's all good you got the you got the new baby and and uh making sure life happens you got work and all of that so i'm just giving you a bunch of shit but um but yeah, it's going to be an awesome race, just like it is every year. We're going to be there. Uh, we'll have uh, a photo uh, guy there to help us out with that while I do some announcing, so we can get some uh, some good quality content out there for you guys. And uh, yeah, Silver Valley MX Park in Lexington, North uh, Lexington, North Carolina. Go and check them out. Uh, go and check out their website, social media posts, whatever the case may be. And uh, hope to see you guys there. FXR. From high-performance snow rider wear to motocross gear, FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, um, hunting gear, golf gear. They got, they got everything that you would need over there at FXR. And in my opinion, in Garrett Marchbanks' opinion, in Luke Neese's opinion, and in, in very more riders from top, from top privateers all the way down. Um, and actually, I think FXR is going to be with Beta next year. So, uh, you know that they're doing really, really well. And, wow. uh, yeah, so go and check out the best in sizing, fitting, and venting uh, for motocross riding gear. Now, don't quote me on that. I just see Benny, Benny has been wearing FXR while he's been in Beta, so I, I'm putting two and two together. So, don't quote me on that. But, hey, Benny's been riding um, FXR, so um, why not? And um, go and check out FXRRacing.com. Find them on social media as well. And uh, thank you for their continuing support here on the Imperative MX Podcast. The brand-new 2024 gear collection just dropped. So make sure to go and check out the website. Check out all of the colorways and the selection um, for many, many more um, gear 
and I know that they're doing a big blowout sale for all of their 2024 gear or 2023 gear. They also have some LE stuff. So go and check them out. And also give FTA, which is uh, which stands for Full Throttle Adrenaline, a look at uh, from the FXR guys as well. It's a sister company. Phil Nicoletti has been wearing the FTA brand, which is an alternative apparel brand designed to inspire and connect all racers. And stuff looks so good, and you know it's top-notch, especially if it's coming from FXR. So go and check out FXR, FTA. Go check out both brands. See, see what you like. And uh, yeah, they're you know top-notch riders are wearing this stuff, so it's not so it's not um, you know it's not bad stuff, of course, right, Heavy D? It's, it's good stuff, and of course we got to get back to our FXR lick kits. We gotta we gotta get we gotta get Heavy D back out onto the local scene. If I'm not out there, we gotta we gotta bring back the FXR lick kit award uh, on the on the weekdays. So we gotta get out to some more races, Heavy D. Oh, 100 percent! Like the lit kit, every car lit kit was. I love it. I'm ready to get back. I feel like it's going to be a lot at Silver Valley. Heck, it's probably going to be. It's definitely going to be a lot of SMP for the North Carolina State Championship. Yeah, I'll, I bring, I'll bring that. that. Yeah, I'll bring that information, and of course, at um, the Silver Valley race, uh, we will do that uh, as well, and we'll both be taking a look at what everybody's wearing out there see who's got the latest kit from fxr so make sure and go check out fxrracing.com uh check out all of the selection and colorways and uh total control racing suspension chad newton owns it he owned a um arena cross team for 10 plus years and of course he knows his stuff from uh jim niece to mike mcdade tyler bright josh thomas jim chester and so many other local legends throughout the years he helped kp out uh, with his suspension as well. So um, you know he knows his stuff. And thanks for Chad and Total Control for coming on board here in 2023. And, of course, he's keeping it really, really local with Total Control. Um, go and check out Total Control rate, uh, TotalControlSuspension.com and go and get your suspension tuned up, get your oil changed, get your seals replaced, be comfortable on the bike, and contact Total Control Racing Suspension to help you get that comfort you have been looking for. And I tell you what, Heavy D, uh, we're on to our last little segment here on uh, episode number 26 of the Imperative MX podcast. And uh, yeah, let's talk about the three rounds of SMX. Um, what did you think about the track, the layout, the format? What did you like and, and what did you not like uh, with this inaugural Super Motocross World Championship for the first year? Well, you know, at first, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. At first, I was like a little on the about the first round. I was a little on the fence about it. Yep. Just yep. The, the, the track aspect of it, but yep. like then they went to Chicago Land and then LA Coliseum, and I was like, looking back on, I was like, it's actually pretty sick. And the reason I think it's pretty sick is because, you know, it was. I didn't think it would be a true hybrid. You know, I wasn't there in person to see like how it truly unfolded you know you were yeah but watching it i seen how the track unfolded and it like it got ruddy and rough and, you know you, you said they put out it like a like an actual moto track yeah and like the first it wasn't two supercross of course you had your triple and your catapult finish line double but the reason i liked it and this is just me personally is because because it was hard for the riders to get a setup on it. Yep. And it was 
it was different. So was that means it was challenging. It was very challenging. Yeah. And that's what you want to throw at these riders, right? I mean, it's a million dollars on the line for the 450 and 500,000 for the 250s. I mean, you got to make it challenging for sure. Yeah, it was it was separation, you know, and that's what I like. I think that's what makes good racing like so, something to separate everybody, like rough, rutted tracks, like some sections some dudes won't do. I, of course, you don't never want to say anything like stupid crazy like that. That quad that was at LA Coliseum, everybody kept getting folded over on. But yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it was different and it was challenging. You know, I don't nobody ever wants to see something so challenging that gets anybody hurt. Right. I want to see something challenging that's that's good that like, like makes you think and something like it makes you think outside the box in a sense. Yeah, like you the know? split lane so. in Charlotte. Like, dude, that was probably the I, you know I know other people have said it, but I mean when we were there, I was like, man. I cannot believe that split lane from the start split lane to the uh, after the finish line with the uh, tabletop or you can go underneath and go all the way around. How equal that was. Dude, give them a round of applause. Like, yeah, that, that, that shit was, worked. Like, and it was awesome that, to see. I, I liked it. And for, when I first seen I was like, so are they doing like a Monster Cup Joker Lane here? Yeah, that's what I was but thinking then, too. That's what I was thinking. And then, yeah. It, it, then you seen it, and it was like, dude, who, whoever thought of this, the calculation was on the money. Like, you got to give them props for that. Like, I I liked it because it was it was either or could have been faster. It was how you made it faster. Yeah, is you know what I mean? It was the line choice you took to make it faster, and I was like. Dude, this is actually pretty sick, and the racing was good. Like, I felt like even Charlotte from just was a very good. I felt like Charlotte was a really good hybrid track. Like, from the moto aspect and the guys saying that that you know that section got rough. You know, like uh, going into the corner after the finish line and that section before you hit the big rhythm section in front of the fans. Like that was true motocross. Big breaking bumps, long ruts. Um, that sort of thing and yeah it threw a wrench at the guys and of course they had to figure out their settings and it made it challenging because part of the track was supercross and part of the other you know the other side of the track was motocross like i feel like that was the best hybrid track we have ever seen in the sport at, Dude, at least uh, you know since i've been watching since 2001 let's put it that way for, for, for me i feel like dude Charlotte, like you, you were there it was a lot of people there huh yeah uh i think don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I read that they 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 didn't sell out, but they they came pretty freaking close. Um, Dude, and I'm, and there was a I'm, lot of people there, like a uh, and you know the North Carolina scene really needs that, like uh, like they need a Supercross or even a Motocross around. You know, we got Bud's Creek and we got High Point, right? But we need something in this area. We need Dude, something. 100%. And, yeah. dude, it showed. It showed that people will come out. The only thing I didn't like about Charlotte is uh, that it was a daytime race because I feel like, you know, if, I just I, I like the vibe of the night and, you know, the fireworks going off and all of that. I just feel like it's, it's a little bit more, I hate to throw this word out there, but vibey. Like, I felt like the vibe was yeah. a little off. But once the gate off. dropped, like, dude, you, you got, you know, you're in it, you know, and, and it was – it was really good, but that was the only dislike I liked out of Charlotte. Um, was that Dude, it should have been wanna, at night? 
I I know it's like for me it's probably it's probably it's a long shot, you know. But dude, I feel like if they could get like Panther Stadium and do a legit supercross round there and have a playoff in Concord, dude, it would bring so many more. Because like look how big the area is for motocross and how many people Love it. Like, it showed at Concord, and it was a day. If it had been a night race, it would have been even more people there. Yeah. Well, and then also, too, you know, the rain. So, I think the rain definitely yeah. definitely stopped some people from coming, but we got very lucky. We got a little bit of a sprinkle there for a little bit after the uh, LCQ races, um, and me and Nicole were walking around just kind of everywhere and, and um, you know, checking everything out. But I tell you what, though, my press box seats, dude, sorry for the language, but they fucking sucked. They were terrible. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't see shit. And it was me, Mathis, Dark, and uh, Michael Lindsay came the in there, guy. and uh, Mitch Kendra from um, Racer X. And, Dude, we only had one monitor in there, and it was on the opposite side of the, of the press box. So we couldn't see anything. All we're pretty much going off of is Mitch is the only one that had binoculars. So he was just shouting out stuff as we're, you know, typing on the computer trying to you know give out twitter updates and stuff like that and um we were all professionals at that right-handed corner that goes into the supercross triple where the 65s were hitting because that's where our press box was was right there at the tower and so we were all professionals at watching that corner and uh the one thing i noticed was that um joe joe whenever he was getting ready to pass vial and uh, actually made the... I think he made the pass right there or either got close. But, dude, the amount of speed that he was carrying and he found just a little low line on the outside, he was hauling right. ass. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, going through the rhythm lane and stuff, the, the 450 guys finally figured out uh, not to jump the table quad, but to jump over the table quad, if that makes sense. Like... Yeah, they found a different section because in the beginning of the day, those guys weren't doing the same sequence that they were doing the day before with the tabletop um, quad, where they were jumping the tabletop, going over, um, you know, the next two, uh, where Fortner came right. up real short. So it was very, very challenging for those guys. And then with it being a hybrid, and the split lane worked. Like they had two split lanes, and they both worked. Like, nobody hit the concrete barriers. Everybody was so, uh, you know, they were like, dude, if somebody hits a concrete barrier, they're going to die and all of this stuff. But nobody hit a concrete barrier. And I was wondering why the, um, you know, going up the peristyle at L.A., I'm surprised nobody said nothing about that because that's a concrete wall, you know. Yeah. Like, nobody said nothing about that. But when we were in Charlotte and the concrete blocks or the you know lanes or whatever are there everybody was freaking out about that but i was more worried about somebody uh you know a kicker or something uh coming off of the uh peristyle or coming in you know it might have got a little slick like on the drop down and somebody might have hit a wall there or either jumping up it because those guys were um they were sweeping that corner you know because it got so slick that they were going so far left to that wall you know, and uh, dude, it was it was it was crazy. I really thought that somebody was gonna not hit the wall, but definitely clip it, kind of like what Larry Brooks did back in the day, where he uh, clipped it coming down and just rolled all the way down. Oh, 
Yeah, I Full thought, it down the hill. Yeah, I thought that that might have happened just because these bikes are so fast and and it was gonna be slick. I just thought maybe you know they might have got a little bit too much um, rear wheel uh, slide and you know it might have shot them over to the wall or something. But hey, at the end of the day, it worked. Nobody uh, nobody got seriously injured on that. Um, but man, I do feel bad for. Uh, for Bam and all of the, uh, you know, the ones that got hurt in the uh, All Star race, and um, Plessinger uh, hit the ground pretty hard. Dino hit the ground hard. Sexton, I can't believe the visor stayed on. Unbelievable. Because if the Lawrence brothers tip over in a corner, their visor's gone. And for some reason, the Alpine Star helmet on Chase was perfectly fine, even though he pile drived into the sand. So I, uh, you know, I. Uh, you know, Bam came away with a couple of broken ribs and a really bad um, broken collarbone, some air in his lungs, so he's got to wait for that to get cleared up before he can go into surgery. But, yeah, man, those guys are going for it, you know, and that's just, you know, that's, uh, you know, the unfortunate part of the sport. But I feel like all in all, from the track, the layout, and the format, I feel like maybe the points next year should probably change maybe. But at the end of the day, it worked. You know, it was a winner-take-all coming down to the final moto, right, in, in both classes. And it was really cool to see that nobody was thinking about Jordan Smith until he won that moto and he was in second place, you know? Like, I think that that's really cool that somebody that, you know, that has two bad races and can just, you know, um, manage it can still come in and be like, hey, I have a chance here. You know, Hunter, of course, getting hurt or, um, you know, having his back problem definitely helped the situation a little bit. But at the end of the day, you got to be in it for all three, you know, and throughout the entire series. Right. So I don't know. I felt like I felt like they really nailed it on the head for it being the first uh, time. And it was cool because, like I said, it was a hybrid track at Charlotte. Then it was a full blown motocross track in Chicago and then it was a full-blown supercross track in LA like I felt like the way that they did that and the way they managed it and you know everything in between I felt like they killed it man and especially the viewership the live attendance has gone up this year 13 percent um uh supercross got more eyeballs on it than it ever has I think the viewership went up um through um the USA Network, whenever they were live, it went up 24% uh, as far as uh, from last year to this year. Um, and, yeah, like uh, sponsorship money's gone up 30% since last year and, you know, all of this. So this is just the start. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to get better over time. But for the first year, they killed it, Heavy D. Oh, dude. And i tell you one thing I do like seeing. I love seeing 30 dudes on the gate. Right. Right and not and not like, cause cause Steve was talking. Steve and them were talking about this on the on their pod last night, and they were like, you know, maybe next year, you know, start with thirty guys or you know twenty two on the gate, right? And then the next the next one, um, only take the top ten guys, and those guys are in the championship, and kind of the the other guys are there for the purse money, if that makes sense. At least this is what I'm thinking that they're that they're saying. I kind of listened to it a little bit this morning, but they were talking about doing the uh, doing like a legit playoff where you have to eliminate riders. Like at a certain point at the second round, you got to eliminate maybe half the field or something. 
as far as them being in the championship hunt, if that makes sense. And then whenever it gets down to um, L.A., you know, they take the top five, and then it's a winner-take-all. You know what I'm saying? Right, but I right. Think, but I think it might get a little too confusing, um, so don't let, me, don't let me confuse anybody, but that's just some options that are being thrown out there. So, um, but all in all, I, th- I felt like it worked. It, it made us, you know, want to come back to watch more, right? It, um, the layout and the tracks were great. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool, even though it is one more race and, uh, it is a lot of work for these teams and riders and stuff. And, um, but I felt like for the sport and for the percentage increase, of eyeballs and help with the series and all of that, like they they really really did a good job uh, of it. And it's been what a three years in the making. So really, if you think about it, it was two years in the making for you know the end of 2020, 2021, and 2022 to get all of this together. And they pulled it off. And yeah, man, they they did a really good job. Oh yeah, I agree with you 100. You know, I, I like it. You know. I think it's, it's only going to get bigger and better, and I think way more fans are going to continue to flock in and see it because it's it was interesting, man. I think – I know people – they may not like the points, but I I like – for me personally, what I, I like about it is even in, in like, Supercross, like, it's – I think it's – like, me personally, I always thought it was crazy. Like, you could have a guy – that wins like a lot of races throughout the season, and then you have a guy that gets so many seconds, and then was like, say, like what happened with Tomac two races to go, and he lose. I mean, the championship gets lost, but you can still have somebody in it. Right. So I think it's it's different, but it's pretty cool. Like you have somebody you, that you don't even hear about, and all of a sudden they come up and they're right there in the championship fight for the five hundred grand. Right. Right. Yeah, and it, just like Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't. He wasn't much of a standout rider through, um, you, you know, sure in Supercross, right? But outdoors, he had to finish out a couple, a couple of the last rounds just to make sure he gets some points, right? Like he wasn't anywhere up there near the front in the first two races. You know, he showed himself well, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a standout rider. We were like, oh, you know, let's look at this guy, and then sure enough, he ends up winning the first moto, and he's in second, like two points behind Deegan with the triple points, like. I think that that's it's almost like a fairy tale story type thing to where you know if they keep the same point structure it might work out where a guy like um you know Jordan or um Maximus Voland or Levi or somebody else that isn't the top 3 guy that we would all expect to win to win you know and you got to be good at all three of those races, which means you got to be good on a hybrid track, you got to be good on a motocross track, and you got to be great at a supercross track for the final round. You know? Um, yeah. I feel it like also like it, it also like somebody like Ty, who everybody loves. It, it made it. It would have. It makes it possible for him all of a sudden to be able to make a million bucks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I just I, I felt like they really, really um, nailed it on the head. And uh, I was actually wrong um, about Jordan. I just went back and looked. And actually, on my birthday at High Point, um, he must have got hurt either after. I think he got hurt afterwards. So he did the first four rounds, and he got a 13th, 
a 14th, a 7th, and a 13th at high point. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, wa- he wasn't doing very well, and so you wouldn't think about him. That was my point I'm trying to make, you know? But in Supercross, you know, a 5th, a 3rd, um, a 2nd, a 3rd, a 4th, right? But, you know, as long as you stay in it, you're good. So, um, you know, I, you know, just using him as an example, you know? So, um, and like a guy like right. Kenny, right? Like, I mean, you know, he came back for a race to get some points, make sure he's good. And um, next year, I hope they, I hope, I hope they do more. Like, as far as keeping the guys in the series, and I think that that's probably their game plan moving forward. How can we keep these guys to do both all 17 Supercrosses for the 450s and, you know, nine for the, uh, nine or eight for the, uh, 250 class and then all outdoors and all of that but you have to think like Freddie Noren was the only one that was able to make it through the entire series without getting hurt in the 450 class you know what I'm saying so it's like how can we keep these guys healthy enough to do all races and keep them here uh, instead of maybe going somewhere else to uh, to race so that they come back for the super motocross thing. So I think there's a lot that's probably going to be going down in conference calls and stuff like that on how to make it better for next year. Um, but, yeah, overall they killed it for sure. Um, what were some of your standout riders throughout the three races of uh, SMX? Give me one um, each in the 450. Uh, give me one in the 450 and one in the 250. <laughs> Sushi for, for one, okay. like Joe, Okay, hands down. And then I'm gonna say Ty in 450s because he he's not really known to be like a supercross guy, and even like I think he transitioned, especially for a privateer bike, not having the full connections to get like I'm not like whoever does the suspension, I'm not like down in that by any means. I'm not trying to disrespect or right. say that stuff's bad, but it's dude like a hybrid track in Charlotte. And then going to Chicagoland where it's a bit more super crossy and being to LA Coliseum, like, dude, that's a lot of people don't real. I don't think people realize like that's the transitions and how hard that is, especially to keep the resources to have the bike adjusted that well. And that short amount of time is somebody who doesn't really ride super cross that often. Yeah. I, you know, I don't believe. Like, I think, for me personally, he was definitely a standout. Like, I'm not saying it just because of outdoors. Like, he killed it in outdoors. But, like, a lot more guys were back in for the, the super motocross. And he was still putting in work. So, yeah, I mean, that, to me, that says a lot. And especially on a brand-new team, right? The HBI Racing uh, team, you know, they came out halfway through. Um, you know, really got their name out there. Uh, during the motocross season when they finally picked up Ty, right? And Ty still was doing the same thing that he was doing, you know? Like, it's uh, it's awesome to see that a team like that that can come together. And, yeah, he finished 10th in the Super Motocross World Championship. Like, that's rad. Like, that is awesome to see. And he did very well in the um, at in the Supercross final or in the Super Motocross final at L.A. at a true Supercross track. Number one, he survived. And then number two, he finished seventh right behind Garrett in the overall. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, because a lot of people are, are, are saying, you know, um, he doesn't get a chance or, you know, 
a lot of us think that he's not going to get a chance because he doesn't have a lot of Supercross experience and, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, he proved right there that he that he can, uh, that he can do it. So um, I agree with you 100% on uh, on Ty. Um, mine mine would have been in the in the 250 class, uh, Joe for sure. Um, for me, I agree 100% with you. Um, especially in Charlotte, like dude, he my man was on a mission in Charlotte, and then in Chicago, he was on a mission, and then in LA, um, you know that that last moto definitely hurt, but that first moto, I mean, we got to see aggressive Joe for the probably the first time ever, and. It shows that he really wants it. Um, and so that was really good for Joe. And in the 450, honestly, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Garrett because, number one, you know, we've all been wondering how he would do on a full-blown Supercross track with all of these guys, you know, from uh, the motocross series transitioning into the Super Motocross Um but he showed that he can run with those guys no matter what track it is. And um, from the time, you know, it's at uh, the motocross season or in the supercross races, he shows that, you know, he is a, uh, you know, a contender um, for, you know, top fives and can run with these factory boys even indoors, you know. So um, I'd have to go, but it real close is, a, is that tie, tie master pool for sure. Um, in the uh, in the 450 class and um, the Supercross and Pro Motocross schedules dropped. Unfortunately, ATL is out of commission. There is no Atlanta, so the closest and there's no Tampa. So the closest race for us in this southeast area is now going to be Alabama for the brand new stadium down there, and uh, actually first time Supercross has ever gone to Alabama. So that will be kind of interesting. It's it's uh I think it's a seven or eight hour drive for us, and it was a six and a half hour drive to Atlanta for us, and it's uh it's a one less hour short from Charlotte, North Carolina, to go to Alabama than it is for me to go to Alabama. So it's it's roughly the same, you know. But for Charlotte, for you guys that are down there in North Carolina. You know, it was like four hours for you guys to get to Atlanta, right? Now you're having to double that almost now to go to Alabama. So um, I really hope in the near future they can try to get something in Charlotte because I feel like the North Carolina scene really, really needs it. And I think just for the Southeast people, right, like, uh, you know, fans of the sport and to get more eyeballs on it, especially since motocross is really big in the South Carolina area, um, I feel like we need something closer. And because think about it, in Atlanta, in the Dome, dude, it would sell out every single year, you know? And uh, Atlanta's attendance, I, I think, from the Speedway uh, had gone down, and I think it might have been a really big hassle. Not a hassle, but maybe a bit of a challenge for them to do that track uh, every year and with dirt and all of that stuff. So I can kind of see why they got rid of it. Um they should have done a lot of them at night instead of during the day. Uh, I could tell you that um, because this year was during the day and it just doesn't have the same vibe of a Supercross race than it did at night, you know? So, um, oh, 100%. Ain't nobody trying to be in the heat. No, no. And it, it was hot, bro. <laughs> it was hot. I can I can assure you that it was hot. So, um, 
Yeah, so pro motocross, uh, the tracks are the same. Um, I don't think they switched around too much as far as um, the schedule from this year going in the next year for the the lineup order um, on everything. So, uh, but we are going to Philly, and I believe they're going to a new place as well. I don't have it in front of me, but make sure you guys go and check out the Supercross. Uh, and pro motocross schedules for next year. And of course, the SMX uh, will be announced uh, at a later date. Uh, we got to see the Triumph bike introduction. RC and and Jeff Stanton were out there on that Triumph bike. What'd you What'd you think, Heavy D? I would put it like this: a lot of people they said they like, oh, it looks like a KTM. Okay, it does, but. I'm digging. They put it on an aluminum frame. I guarantee you that thing is going to handle like a dream. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it. I mean, from Carmichael, he overjumped a couple of stuff and came up short on a couple of clips that I've seen, and it seemed like it soaked it up and rode really well. So, Like, for – like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like a KTM. I'm not down in a KTM, a Husky, or a Gas Gas. Like I always say, for me, it's I, – I, I couldn't ride them because I was a bigger dude. Right, like I couldn't corner one good because, like my weight and all the force, it just it wouldn't settle in a rut. Right, it just felt awkward. Right, but I always thought it the braking power, like the power of it, it always like it, it would break good. I felt like it was a solid bike. It just I couldn't get with the steel frame. Right, so that Triumph on an aluminum frame, oh. I'm not gonna lie to you. It looks like a bike that would be heaven to ride. Yeah, and we got Savachi that's gonna be on it for 250 motocross next year, um, and I believe Jake Jalik Swole's gonna go there as well. They got Evan Ferry uh, as well, so we'll uh, we'll have to see uh, for next year. Beta's coming into play too. Uh, Ducati here here in a couple of years, I think, in 25 or something like that. So. Um, more opportunities and more factory rides for these guys and uh I, you know i'm really excited for that because you know even with this smx that's going on you know the riders are getting paid more right but there's more opportunity now for the privateers more than ever uh to be able to get on a factory machine and be with a factory team and have salaries and bonuses and that sort of thing because there are going to be more uh trucks uh in the in the pits you know so um, I'm actually really excited to see these new uh, bikes come into play. And, of course, Colt Nichols is going to beta next year. Benny Bloss is on uh, is on that as well. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. And uh, I remember um, a couple of months ago I put out that Ferrandis was going to go to HEP. Uh, I'm hearing now that, mm-hmm. he's, that, uh, that, that is canceled now. Oh, really? From from my sources, yeah, because I got I got ate the the fuck up whenever I put that shit out there. Like whenever I put that shit out there on Twitter, like Dustin Pites even commented commented and said, you know, what's your source? And I was like, hey man, I know I know some people in the industry. If you want me to take it down, no problem. He didn't say nothing back to that. And Dan Daniel Blair even commented on it, said that I got it from uh, a flagger on Thumper Talk and all of that. And it was actually kind of funny whenever Steve started talking about it and he had uh. Daniel Blair on, I think it was the Moto 60 show. Um, he actually said, yeah, there was a guy that, you know, that talked about it a while ago and we, yeah, and here we are. And I, 
And so I thought it was kind of funny. But apparently that deal went through as a, a you know, from what I'm hearing from the same source. So uh, we'll have to see what's going on with that. And I mean, if if that HEP go that ride goes away and it is true, um, you know, time will tell, of course. But you know, what other options does DF have? Like, or is he really done? Like, you know, um, you know, he I, he got ran over unfortunately by McArath in that first term pile up and was and his night was done, unfortunately. He couldn't come back when the restart um happened because he was already um he already left the arena, so he couldn't come back and, and you know, finish out the 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 first moto and the second moto, of course. Um but there's really no other options for DF that I can think of uh, on a factory team, right? I just okay. Here's here's what gets me, and trust me, I'm not I'm not firing shots at anybody. Specifically, I'm not. I just feel like how does a guy that's won, you know, a light Supercross championship and a 450 outdoor championship not have a ride. Right, right. Like, okay, and I, I'm saying, I don't want any, and trust, once again, I'm not firing shots at anybody. This is just a speculation on how I, I look at it. I love Adam Cicerello. I do. Right. Awesome dude for the sport. But I feel like how he's won one Supercross, one, no, one title, and that was Outdoors and Lights. And, and of course, yeah, he's been hurt and a lot of stuff is going on and four fifties and he's getting back to form. But I feel like that that is the same situation. I understand Team Green Kawasaki has a lot invested in him. I get that. But in a sense, like it, it for me, I think it's a bad look to the sport when a guy like Tyrannis has done good and he's finished in front of him, doesn't have a ride, but in a sense, Adam can still keep a ride. Right. That's just just a. I'm not fine. You're, you're Adam, using like. Adam as an as a um, uh, what you, uh, as, as an uh, uh, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not down at Adam by any means. I love Adam. He finally you know? finished the season, just, bro. He finished the season. Yeah, like, like he finished. The, I'm not. You know, I love dudes badass on a dirt bike. Yeah. I'm just saying as an example. That to me, it just it's not a good look. On a, on the sport in a sense, right? It's it's even on a lot of the teams, like it's almost hypocritical, you know. That that's I guess that's just how I look at it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I no, mean, no, you're good. I mean, I can see why Cowie would want him just because of the social media and because of the way that he is, right? Like they they want that type of guy around their truck and people will come to hang out and stuff because it brings people over. Oh, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I can see that and, um, and all of that. And then, you know, with uh, another example is Forkner, right? Like dude just keeps getting hurt and hurt and hurt. Right. But the speed is there. It's just, we got to figure it out. You know, like Mitch always says, I can work with speed, you know? So, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a weird situation for sure, but I definitely see where you're coming from. And yeah, I mean, for a guy that's won a 450 title and has won a, um, you know, two, uh, 250 Supercross Lights title, like you would think that he would have a ride, you know. And sometimes it just doesn't work out the way that we would think or would hope, right? So, um, so I don't know. I, I mean, 
It's just very, yeah. it's just very, a- it's just very weird because I, I heard that you know he was, you know that he wanted to come back out. I'm talking about Verandas that he wanted to come out for another ride on, on the, uh, on the HEP bike after he, after he went and tested it. Um, I think it was right before Charlotte. Um, actually, maybe, maybe a week before Charlotte or something like that. And um, yeah, apparently he wanted to he wanted to come back the next day and try a different engine setting and and stuff like that. So it looked like it was going the right way, you know. Um, but maybe something came in the plan or or something changed his mind or or whatever the case may be. You know, it, it's not final, right? I'm gonna get called out on Twitter. I guarantee it. But you know, <laughs> but who knows? You know what I'm saying? I'm just I'm just saying what's being told. So. Um, because you know, obviously, I mean, obviously, my source was right. If everybody else thinks that he's going there, right? So, um, if I mean, if it was me, I mean, I don't know what they have going on, but if Gary's going back down to two fifty, if I was club, I would fight to try and go get him. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the maybe, maybe that's it. Who knows? You know, maybe they, maybe they just want one premier four fifty guy. You know, and. Um, and all of that, but we'll have to we'll have to see what what happens in the next coming uh, coming months uh, for sure. And of course, new new numbers for riders uh, coming in 2024. WeWentFast.com, Clinton Fowler and um and uh, Mr. Smith has been doing a really good job on all of the stats and stuff from WeWentFast.com. And uh, coming up with uh, you know the riders and what numbers they're gonna have for next year. Like Deegan's gonna have 38, and um, you know there's a lot of talk about. Uh, Sexton going to number four, and um, nobody's going to pick up number eight or number thirteen again. So uh, there's going to be a lot of new numbers for for a lot of the guys, especially in two fifty class, uh, coming up in twenty twenty four. So make sure you guys keep a eye out for that, um, for sure. And um, yeah, so go and check out wewentfast.com to see all of the career numbers and uh, what everybody should have. Uh, for next year, and um, is there anything else on the SMX uh, three round series um, that you wanted to touch on, or you think we kind of covered it all? Oh, well, yeah, I think we covered a good bit of it. I think it was, I think it's pretty rad, Deegan. You know, he won the. That's the next championship the very first year. I yeah, think that's yeah, two rookies in their respected classes, right? Like uh, you know, two young mm-hmm. guys at seventeen and twenty, a four year difference. Um or three year difference, sorry. Math is way off. Um, but you know what I'm saying. Um at very young riders were able to do this. And yeah, Jet Jet's good and of course, you know, Aiden with the LA Coliseum and yeah, he was he was pissed after that first moto. He was not happy. But hey, he came out the second moto, did what he needed to do. We didn't get the ghost ride, unfortunately, but um yeah, it was cool it was cool to see. It's a good story, right? Like with his dad and uh all of the success that he's had in the same building and then, you know, Deegan comes there for the first time and he wins too. You know, like that's just crazy, you know, like how how it lines up and and how it happened and yeah, it's 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 uh it's pretty cool to see. I felt like that was a really cool story. You can say what you want about about Hayden and you know all of that. I mean, I'll be the first one to say that I didn't think he was ready after that Anaheim uh futures. We know we know how that went. So 
Um, but yeah, he proved himself, and sure enough, you know, he's a title contender going into next year for sure in the in the uh, 250 class, and uh, both uh, or all three, you know, the Super Motocross, the Pro Motocross Championship, and the Supercross Championship. So, or 250 Supercross Championship. So, um, but yeah, it was re- it was really cool to see Kenny. Uh, Kenny was a standout rider for me too, being just you know having that much time off from getting gate drops with these guys and being right there with Jet with Jet and Chase, like that's pretty impressive. But at the same time, Ken Roxon is Ken Roxon. You know, you can never doubt him. You know, he's gonna be there and he's always gonna be fast. And you know, uh, a lot of the media guys went to uh, Paula or uh, Fox Raceway. Uh, to test Kenny's bike, you know, and I don't think anything anybody had anything bad to say it about the Suzuki. So everybody can throw that Suzuki. Uh, you know, it's a bad bike. It's been you know way overdue for new stuff and electric start and all that. Hey, bro, that kickstart got second and won a lot of money. Okay, so um, the bike is fine. Um, so. Uh, I was actually gonna throw that on out on Twitter. I was like, "Where's that? Where, where's the hate for the Suzuki thing now?" You know. Oh, oh, Jet. He got paid in both classes. I don't know if anybody noticed. Yeah, he got two grand for the 250 class because he finished 22nd. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool there as well. Yeah. So. Um, but before we go, PR Motorsports, your newest trackside support trailer at the local NCMX races. Uh, they make sure you riders get on the gate and continue racing each weekend. If you guys need anything, make sure to find their trailer at the races from tires to engine fixes. PR Motorsports is your trackside support rig for the surrounding area and states. Find them on social media and a special thanks to Charlie Forbes, the owner, and Justin Kendrick for all of their help with everyone at the local motocross races, keeping them on the track uh, here at the local races. And, uh, well, I guess that's it for episode number 26 of the Imperative MX podcast, where we spoke about local motocross racing around the surrounding area with upcoming races and events. Then we spoke with Garrett Marchbanks on that Muckoff FXR Club MX team after his seventh overall this past weekend for the inaugural Super Motocross World Championship. Then finally, we broke broke down and gave our thoughts on all of the racing action from the three Super Motocross rounds the past three weekends, and we covered a lot more, of course. And don't forget to email your entry for the Mika Medals Handlebar Giveaway to imperativemx at gmail.com for a chance to win a brand-new set of Mika Medal uh, handlebars of your choosing and of course one more time big thanks again to all of the companies who make this possible West Virginia Motorsports, FXR Dirt Industries Custom Graphics Silver Valley MX Park Hydro Power, Mika Metals, Total Control Racing Suspension and PR Motorsports well thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode on the Imperative MX Podcast make sure to follow us on YouTube Instagram TikTok Twitter Facebook Apple Spotify wherever you get your podcasts from check out ImperativeMX.com for more reads and of course checking out all of our social media platforms we appreciate you guys and from myself Zach Newberry and co-host Heavy Day we're out see you next week 
See you.